The following podcast contains explicit language. One definition of explicit language is stated clearly and in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. That's why we use those words. Hello and welcome to episode 323 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Today on the show, we opened with a logical reasoning question. Uh, it turned out to be a must-be-true question. Yep. Then we did a lengthy Pearl versus Turd on uh, a document that some English professor gave to their class. Um we ultimately decided that we didn't like it very much. It had some good tips though. So there's lots of good writing tips and some ironically poorly written writing <laughs> tips. Then we went through uh Anthony's personal statement, which turned out to be a winner. A little bit dry, but definitely getting the job yeah. done. So if you want to hear an example of a uh solid personal statement that is just definitely going to be successful. Um, that's at the end of the show. Cool. Cool. This show is going to air on Monday, November 8th. That means that it's just a few days ahead of the November LSAT. Uh, it's not too late to come join my November 2021 LSAT study group. That's Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And uh, you can ask me last minute questions about that November test, or we can start looking forward uh, to the tests this spring. There's going to be tests in January, February, March, and April, as I understand it, of 2022. Um, and it's appropriate to come to my study group uh, if you're going to take any of those tests as well. All you need is a demon free account. Um, come talk to me on Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's Anything all? else? All right, let's dive on into the show. All right, we have a logical reasoning question in front of us. This is from Prep Test 73, Section 2, Question 21. I will read it, and Ben will do okay. the question. Most of the students who took Spanish 101 at the university last semester attended every class session. Okay. So right now I'm imagining a relatively small class, partly because it's just easier for me to get my mind wrapped around these numbers, but a class of 20 or okay. some odd students sitting and listening to some Spanish teacher take Spanish 101. And I said most of them attended every class session. So I know most is more than half. That could be everybody, but I know for sure that most of those folks they came on day one, and they went every day until the end of class. Okay. Uh, any range of numbers? Uh, well, if there's 20 people, I'm thinking, okay, 11 to potentially all 20 of them attended every class, and maybe there was like 10 classes. We should make that explicit, I think. You know, most means 51% mm -hmm. or more. So in Ben's hypothetical 20 person class, that means somewhere between 11 and 20 of them attended every class session. Uh, could, could have been, been all of them. them, but it could have been barely yep. half of them. And what about the other half or what about the other, uh, I guess it's somewhere between zero and 49% of the class. What's the worst case scenario for this? Worst teacher? case scenario <laughs> is that these 11 of these 20 students came to every single class and the remaining nine 
Didn't show up at all. <laughs> yeah, never came once. It's totally possible. Okay, so think about the premise, though. It said mm-hmm. most of the students attended mm-hmm. every class. But it is possible that almost half, nine yep. of the students, <laughs> never yep. came once. I mean, in, in better case scenario, it could be the case that all 20 of them came to every class. Uh, the test just <laughs> decided to tell us about most of them. But um, that's certainly a possibility. I, I do think it's unlikely. But um, okay. it's also possible that the other nine or two or four or whatever number of people who didn't come to every class still came to almost every class, but maybe missed one or two. Yep. I have no idea. Yep. They Or they could have fucked off and never yep. come to any of we them. We just don't we know. We don't know. We don't know about uh, them. That's okay. the thing. Good. Good. So that the word most has a lot yep. of wiggle room in it. 51 to 100%. And we don't know anything about the other 49% or 0 to 49%. We don't know anything about those people. But we do know that somewhere between 51 and 100% of the class went to every single yeah. class. So session. I, I would right. say, yeah, we do know that. And I can point yeah. at those 11 and I can say, okay, I know that 11 of you, I don't know which ones, but I know 11 of you came and you came every single time. Yep. Every time. However, it says each student who received a grade lower than B minus missed at least one class session. Hmm. Okay. So everyone, so each really means every, every student who got a grade lower than B minus. And I'm going to, I'm going to read this a little bit slowly because it's not saying B minus and lower. It's saying lower than B minus. So uh, an easier yeah. way, at least for me to think about this, is that everyone who got a C plus or lower. Like if I think about it that way, it's much mm-hmm. easier for me to like digest this information. So everyone who got a mm-hmm. C plus or lower missed at least one class session. So there's a couple things going on here. One, we just have two sentences. You're done reading this passage. It doesn't seem like an argument at all. It just seems like two facts. I was given two facts. And I can put these facts together and conclude some things safely. Um, One, I know that there were some people who did miss classes, right? Everyone who got a C plus or lower. I mean, I guess there's this hypothetical possibility that no one got a C plus or lower, but it sounds like they did. C plus or lower, they missed at least one class. And that means if you if you uh, didn't miss a class, then you're not going to be one of these people who got a C plus or lower. So those 11 folks, I know they have a B minus or higher. Yeah, could, could be, be an A+. plus. Mm-hmm. Could be yep. a B minus, but we know that they can't get anything lower than a B minus because if you got lower you than missed. a B minus, you had to miss yep, at least there we one go. class. Okay. Which one of the following statements about the students who took Spanish 101 at the university last semester can be properly inferred from the information above? Okay. It's not super surprising. This is a must be true question. And I didn't, or you <laughs> didn't just read an argument. You read two facts. And so I'm not surprised in the slightest that they're now just asking me what must be true on the basis of that information. This is a passage-driven question type. In other words, I have to accept the information in the passage as true. I already did that. I have to then find an answer that's proven by them. 
I already have some information that's been proven by them. I know that those 11 folks, or I should say the majority, got a B minus or higher. And I'm going to kind of stay with that. I have no idea if that's the answer they're going to give me. I'm open to anything else that must be true as long as it's proven by that those statements. But I'm kind of guessing that since those are that's what I concluded on the basis of these two facts, that the correct answer is probably going to touch on that to some degree. Okay. A, at least some of the students who received a grade of A minus or higher attended every class session. That doesn't have to be true. Um, okay. So remember the, the people who attended every class, those, I keep coming back to those 11 folks. I know they had a B minus or higher, but for all I know, all of them had B minuses. So at least some of the students who received a grade of A minus or higher, I don't know anything about them. They may have been part of this group of people who didn't come every single time. And so this does not have to be true. Or they might they not, might not exist. exist. I mean, we just don't know that anybody yep. got an A. And and if they did, they could have been the people who mm. never came to class. I mean, as far as we know, it's possible that everybody in the class got an A+, plus, whether you yep. came or didn't come. I, I imagine, okay. by the way, if you're tempted by this answer, you're probably looking at the last sentence and you're saying, well, but, but, but wait, each student who received a grade lower than a B- minus missed at least one class. Okay. That doesn't mean that everyone who <laughs> missed a class got that low grade. It just means if you got that low grade, then you missed at least one class, but yeah. you could have gotten a high grade and still the, missed classes. Yeah. The, the, the limitation, the, there's only a limitation on the downside grade of people who came yeah. to every class. That's the only thing we really know is that if you came to every class, you can't get anything lower than a B minus. And that's it. We don't know anything yep. else. We have no idea yep. anything else. We know that if you got a C or a D or an F, you had to miss yep. at least one class. Yep. That's all we know. We have no idea if you say, oh, Johnny got an A plus. Well, great. Johnny could have come to every class or none of the classes. I have yep. no idea. B, most, if not all, of the students who missed at least one class session received a grade lower than same B problem. minus. We were just talking about, I don't know how many people um, got low grades or lower than a B minus and missed. Yeah, we know that if you got lower than a B minus, you had to miss yep. at least one class. But if you missed a class, we don't know anything. Well, you, you're eligible to get every yep. grade if yep. you missed a class. C, most of the students received a grade higher than B minus. Most of the students... Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I almost thought, yeah, this is correct. And then I was like, wait, higher than B minus it was B minus or higher, right? Cause it was each student who received a grade lower than B minus. In other words, C plus or lower missed at least one class. So the people, so most people, the people who came to every class, they had to have gotten a B minus or higher. C says though, it doesn't say that it says just higher than B minus. So it leaves out that, that one grade. Most people aren't going to catch that. I think on the first read, I think most people are going to think that C is justified because most of the students did come to every class. And that means that they had to get a B minus or higher, but C says higher than B minus. And that's lawyer shit. Yeah. That's, 
like <laughs> this is very lawyerly. This is the type of thing that you're going to need to start catching for law school and for your legal career. Those do not have the same meaning. And as it turns out, there's a better answer down below. This is a good example of why you have to read all five answers because it'd be real easy to read that and go, yeah, 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 that's what they're, yep, uh-huh, pick it and move on. And then you don't see the other answer, which is clearly. I mean, right. also, you remember when we were reading that sentence, or when you were reading that second sentence, and then I saw that phrase, lower than B minus, I've been burned by lower yep. and higher, <laughs> more or less on this test before. So yep. it's like, okay, hold on, let me, does this include what they're talking about or not include? You got to know that. Yeah, so it's also an example of how valuable it is to prepare for the LSAT because this isn't Ben's first rodeo. He has seen these terms before. He knows what types of technical questions they tend to ask around uh, premises that include lower than or higher than. He's thinking about the mm -hmm. margins. That's what lawyers do is think about the margins. That's all law school is, is like exploring these unclear areas the of line? the law. Yep. D says... At least one student who received a grade of B minus or higher missed one or more class sessions. Um, no, it's possible that all the people who came to every class got a B minus or higher, and all the people who didn't come to every class got lower than a B minus. We don't know. Yeah, the people who didn't come to class could have all gotten yep. Fs, as far as we know. There's okay. E more than half the students received a grade of B That's minus or higher. Exactly the same as answer choice C, except instead of saying most, they said more than half and they added in B minus B minus or higher as opposed to just higher than B minus. This is the answer. It's perfect. Yep. Got to read all five answers, y'all. If you had read C and thought it was good and picked it because you wanted to save some time and move on to question number 22, you're going to miss this question and you're going to get zero points for this question. And it's just not lawyerly behavior. You needed to read D and E. And then what many students are going to do is they're going to go, oh, shit, C and E, they seem identical. They both seem good and they seem identical, but they're not identical. And when you read them carefully you'll realize, oh, E's actually justified by the facts. C's not justified by the facts because it's possible that all these people who came to every class got B minuses. They don't have to get higher than a B minus. They have to get a B minus or mm -hmm. higher. If you're annoyed by that, if that's the type of minutia that you don't want to spend the rest of your life <laughs> thinking about, then maybe this isn't the right path for you because sorting out the difference between higher than B minus and B minus yeah. or higher is exactly precisely what lawyers yeah. do for a living. Okay. And the answer here is E instead of C they're rewarding you for lawyerly behavior. They're rewarding you for reading and understanding and getting it right. Like just solving it and finding the one right answer. You can't find the one right answer if you don't read all five answers. Yep. All right, that's that. Um, we have next a uh, very big Pearl versus Turd. Alyssa sent this in. Um, she says, Hi, Ben and Nathan. I listened to the latest podcast episode. I noticed the majority of personal statements read on the podcast have terrible writing. 
I wanted to share this document with you so you can pick it apart and share with other listeners. My freshman English professor gave this to my class to use on every paper we wrote. I used it throughout college and for my personal statement. The process can be tedious, but I really think it helps with making a, pa a paper sound more professional. I hope this helps. Thanks, Alyssa. She didn't explicitly submit this as a pearls versus turd, but I decided that I wanted to make this whole document a pearl versus turd candidate. So this is the segment of the show where we take a bit of uh, wisdom that we have received from the internet and we decide whether it's a pearl of wisdom or a turd. I think um, mm -hmm. right now the scoreboard is 16 pearls versus 55 turds. Most of the things out there in the world are not brilliant pieces yeah. of advice. But this uh, document from uh, Alyssa is on the pearl versus turd chopping block. Okay, it looks like it has 15 or 16 or 17 points here. Um, I think we're going to have to keep score because some of these are good and, and some of these are not, in my opinion. Um, You've already scanned it and you see that some yep. of them are terrible. Okay, so the first of all, the uh, the topic of the – or sorry, the yeah. uh, title of the document, I had to look it up. It was – I, I and I hate the pronunciation on the page. It looks like ratio maybe it's no, it's radio. It's like a the hard Ew. T at least that was the internet. Def, the internet, you know how sure. it does the like yeah. pronounce button and you get the robotic <laughs> voice said rat uh, radio radio or radio -sination. But when I looked up the definition, the definition is the process of exact thinking or reasoning it, it had reasoning all in caps as uh, like a um, okay. synonym uh, or a reasoned train of thought okay. my response to that was well then why don't we just call <laughs> it reasoning like why use this overly bloated word you know r radiosination or ratiosination or whatever why, well, why yeah, say that word if you could just this call is a it document reasoning. on how to write more clearly and you're not starting on a good foot. <laughs> so let's foot. start by titling it some word. And that I don't no know that I would use the word when you could have used yeah, reasoning. A That's your your cheat sheet for clear <laughs> writing is reasoning. That even doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, so it's off to a bad <laughs> start. Just with yeah, the uh, title of, 18, of the document, so far, zero out of eighteen. Okay. Alyssa has recommended it though, and so we're gonna we're gonna see what what uh, what advice this actually has. So number one. Oh, and by the way, I think something happened when I copied pasted. So these are all mm. number one. Um, it, it, that's just a document okay. fail. But okay. So the first thing here: circle all to be verbs, and then basically go through. Um, it says replace the to be verbs with verbs which are more meaningful and exact. If it is a result of passive sentence construction, revise to active voice. What the fuck? Eliminate all contractions unless they occur in dialogue. That has nothing to do with this tip. And it's later. Oh, I see. Include, tr include contractions such as weren't or I'm. Okay, but the, the tip here is really to get rid of the verb yep, to be. But we'll, we can address the contractions thing later. Yeah. Um, so For me, this is a pearl. This is a pearl. It's not to say that you have to get rid of all of them. But if you can change it, you probably should. I, I agree with that. I agree with that advice. 
I don't love this last tip. Leave the to be verb only if all options for change would be for the worst. First of all, it's kind of a wordy construction, but I also don't love vague advice like this. You're just opening the floodgates for people to be like, okay, well, it sounds worse to me here. If you're going to give this advice, if you're going to give this little last little tip, include a couple of examples, the exceptions to the rule, <laughs> so we can actually understand what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, the difference, it's like, instead of saying, I am an LSAT teacher, you could say, I teach yep. LSAT. It's shorter. It uses an active verb, teach, instead of the passive verb, mm -hmm. am. So that that is a very common flaw in people's personal statements is that they include far too many of these is, are, was, were, be, been, being, am. All of those are forms of the verb to be, and it would be ideal to get okay. rid of them. Number okay. two. Make a wavy line under all repeated words. Okay, so this is what this is, is it's a very heavy handed. It's specifically describing the strokes of your pencil or pen on the page. <laughs> so it wants you to circle the two B's and then make a wavy line under the repeated yeah. words. I already am rejecting this because I don't think you need to necessarily do this on pencil and paper. No, I mean, what's the tip here to get rid of search for? and remove repeated words. I think that's a, a pearl. Some people have, I mean, sometimes you repeat words for oh. emphasis or parallelism. I saw one just yesterday. I was reading one of our teachers. I was reading one of their uh, optional 250 word essay yep. for Yale. And I read the first paragraph and it used the same damn word three times. Mm. And I was like, hey, if you had read this out loud, I think you would have found it a little bit jarring that you're using the same damn word three times in yep. three sentences. I would say that's um, the tip, right? Don't, how, how many people are actually editing on paper and pencil? This person may argue that's for the better, but I just think it's impractical, um, except for your very final draft. So I would say our real tip here is read out loud. <laughs> and look for repeated words. Yeah, repeated words are bad. Now it says here, to be to clarify, it says, if the repeated word is included for emphasis, leave it. And I guess oh, I can I totally see agree that. With like, that. If you're doing it intentionally, yep. then yep. do it. But are you? I don't think In most so. Cases, In many cases, aren't. it just sounds like you accidentally did it. And then it just sounds like, what? You couldn't have found a synonym there? Or do you have even you already said this idea? You probably could yeah. have cut it because we know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so if it's included for emphasis, fine. If it's part of a parallel structure, fine. But if it was carelessly repeated, then you need to okay. get rid of one of them. I, I like that yeah, tip. Let me take this next. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, go go ahead. And this document, yeah, let's just omit all of the different art. It's like an yeah. art project. Like get out your construction paper and your <laughs> glue stick and your safety scissors while you edit your document. I, we don't have time for all that shit. So. Just, let's just talk about talk the about writing, writing tips. tips. Okay, so for number three, under okay, da, da, da. Um, hmm. <laughs> okay, so the tip is underline every sentence with a colored pen, alternate colors, yeah. and 
then let's go into the details. If all sentences are about the same length, shorten or lengthen some for variety. If many sentences are short and choppy, combine some to improve fluency. If many sentences are long and complex, consider making some of them shorter. Look, I, I hardly ever ever encounter writing where I'm like, damn, this writing is too short and choppy. It's just it's yeah. just not a thing. So this right. advice to combine some to improve fluency, that's only going to lead to disaster. This real yeah, tip should be search for sentences that are long as you read them out loud. <laughs> I agree. And and that's the, yeah, the, the thing about the variety. So I guess, you know, the, the tip here with the alternate yeah. colors sentence to sentence is is like i guess it could be useful for people who are really visual or really you know tactile or whatever and they need to like just have an, a way of of making it pop mm -hmm. on the page but if you read the thing yeah. out loud then you you would ideally you would just fix it you you just it wouldn't happen you wouldn't like whatever, as I'm writing, I mean, I notice myself sometimes when I'm writing, you know, lessons or whatever, I will, as I I'll read and reread and reread the same mm -hmm. paragraph. And sometimes I will decide, oh, I could have combined those two sentences together just like the, but I'm, I'm like, I'm like listening to the voice of it. Well, and by the way, the only time I combine sentences is to remove one. Right. It's like, oh, this idea has already been said. I can consolidate this. And I could have put these two words into that sentence and then allowed me to exactly. kill a whole sentence. Yep. Yeah, totally. I, I do. I do do that. But I mean, safety first. Shorter <laughs> sentences are easier to read. We got the safety scissors. Let's use them to cut these damn long <laughs> sentences. Just use a damn period yep. sometimes. So, score, okay. yeah, scoreboard, Next by one. the way, so far is two to two out of 17. Um, the title was bad yeah. and, um, I don't think this is <laughs> some of these yeah. tips are weak. Okay. Number f yeah. Number four, you got uh, it. Okay. It wants you to place a bracket around the first word or phrase of each sentence. And that's because if many, that is three or more sentences begin with the same word or phrase, then you should revise it. It also wants you to, this is, you're going to hate this tip. Consider the placement of transitional words and whether they are effective <laughs> with no None. example or yeah. no, like, what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. What do you mean? Whether they yeah. are effective. That's not helpful. Um, what do you think about this idea of focusing on the first word or phrase of every sentence and then not having too many of them that begin? I would with the love same more word? specificity here. Is, is this, um, professor, right? This is a, from a professor. Is the professor trying to go after like someone who keeps saying and or moreover or also or something like that? Because in our personal statements, right, a lot of people are going to be starting sentences with I over and over and over again. And yeah, it can get draining if that's all you do. We need some we's in there and there's some other transition words. But uh, I don't. I don't know. This is not something where I'm reading statements. I'm like, damn, they just started another sentence with I like, I, it's not a pro. Well, it will sound terrible if you have eight sentences in a row yes. that start with I, but again, I think if you read it out loud, you would catch it. I think this is a bad tip because it's a distraction. It's not moving the ball forward. Yeah, I agree. All right. Next one. Okay. <laughs> Draw an arrow from each predicate 
the verb, to its subject, the noun. Okay. What? So like backward? Yeah. Because most subject of the time the first. subject's going to come before the verb. Now, what's the, the goal here? Because really, like the tip, the odd thing here is that the tip is in bold, right? The tip is like, hey, this is what you got to do. And it's like, but why am I doing this? If either the subject or the predicate is missing, you have a sentence fragment. Okay. <laughs> Oddly enough, if you can identify the subject and the verb in this way, because a lot of people can't, um, you're probably not going to have fragments. Make sure subjects and predicates agree in number. Sure. If multiple subjects and predicates are found, check for the for correct pronunciation. Oh, sorry. Correct punctuation and run on sentence errors. Revise as necessary. I feel like this is way too complicated. Just keep your sentences shorter. I think the 25 cent word cap is much yeah. easier. Yeah. And... And this feels like a tip for high yeah. school kids. You can have I mean, <laughs> like if you are having a lot of subject verb disagreements yeah. in your writing, then you're not careful enough or you're not just good enough at English. Like don't go to law school if you don't want to be a professional yeah. writer. I mean, you, you need to be good at writing. This is like, you're going to win or lose based on the quality of mm -hmm. your writing. Mm -hmm. And so if I need to tell you a lot about subject and verb agreement, uh, <laughs> like there are many yeah. other careers. So right. yeah, next, this is so far bad. So far bad. We have two pearls and four turds in a document of 17. Yeah. What do we need? We need, I say we need like 75%. Yeah, to refer the document to be well, a pearl. Even more, maybe. Because what, anyways. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going. We got a bunch I to get I think this one could be good. Is this you? This is you. Oh, using a different color, draw an arrow from each pronoun to its antecedent. I don't, I would never use that word, <laughs> antecedent. It's a technical, I suppose. Yeah. Make sure all pronouns agree in number with their antecedents. Make sure all pronouns, especially it, them, and they have specific antecedents. I have no idea okay. what this is talking so about. I do That's not a useful tip for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the tip is well-crafted, but I like, the, I like the idea behind it. So when people are writing, they often, and I would say the most common words are it, them, and they. These are the three most problematic pronouns in the sense that like, let's say you're talking about a group of people and you're talking about the principles that they believe in, right? So you say, hey, that group, the, the people in that group, they believe in these principles. Those principles are things that they um, follow and we need to revise them or we need to, you know, and it's like you're, uh, this is not a great example. I'm coming up with it on the fly. But the point is, is we throw in these pronouns and it's not always clear what the them is referring back to. Are you referring back to the group? Are you referring back to the principles that they hold? Um, and because you're the writer, you don't 
in your head, it's obvious what the them is referring to, but your reader doesn't always follow because it could be referring to multiple things. Now, technically, the pronoun is going to refer back to the most recent antecedent. In other words, the most recent noun that created it. But that's not usually what happens is writers are in their head, they're actually referring back to something else. So I would revise this tip and hopefully turn it into a pearl. Look at your document for words like it, them, and they, and make sure it's very obvious what they're referring to. If not, replace them with a description like or with the actual noun. I do it all the time. I like have two thems next to each other. I'm like, oh shit. One is referring obviously to the people and the other is referring to their principles. Let me just say the principles now. And all of a sudden the sentence is clearer, right? That's the tip. Yeah. Also, make your sentences shorter. Read it carefully. Read it out loud. Catch vague. You know, my reaction to this, if if someone actually violated this in real life, I would be reading the document and I would just go, wait a second. I don't know what you mean yeah, by it. Exactly. Like, what are yep. you referring to? Are you referring to this or are you referring to that? It could be either thing. It actually sounds like you're referring to this. But then if, you, if that's the case, then this doesn't make any yep. sense. So you got to change that. But make your sentences shorter. And then you won't have these problems nearly as often. Yep. All right. Next next one says, wait, I don't know who's reading. I We're trying to alternate, oh, but okay. I keep forgetting. Um, it's you. Draw a box around all cliches. Unless the cliche is in dialogue, try to express the idea in a new or different way. If you decide to leave a cliche in dialogue, make sure it is truly necessary. All right. Now, I would say we don't need dialogue in your personal statement. I, you, you don't need to quote anybody. Like I've seen people, you know, they quote fucking Gandhi or whatever. You don't need to do that. You, you definitely don't need to quote yourself. You don't need to quote anybody. You can paraphrase. If you have to tell a story of so-and-so said whatever, you don't need to put quotation marks because you don't need an exact quote. Paraphrasing is perfectly fine. So what do you think about this idea of just getting rid of I think cliches? that's a good idea. In general, if you're saying something cliche, why are you saying it? You're not adding any value. Do you have something specific to say? Usually cliches are general, right? Like... All I looked well, it up. The Definition well, of cliche. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. A cliche is a phrase or opinion that is overused and betrays a lack of addition of original thought. Most of the rhapsodizing that people do about the glories of law school to me falls into this category of it's overused. It, it you could put it in anybody's personal statement. Therefore it doesn't belong in your personal statement. Um, so fine, we can give them credit for this tip of get rid of just boring, obvious yeah. shit. Number eight, okay. mark out all occurrences of very with an X. Um, I agree. Very is <laughs> just not a word that people need to say in their personal statement, along with a bunch of other uh, adverbs and a lot of adjectives. It says here, side note, if it is an adjective, keep it. This is very rare. This is rare. <laughs> the very thought made me shudder. Um, thank God they provided an example. Now I understand what the exception is. Um, it, yeah, but it's almost always an it's adverb. It's almost always an adverb. So when you see, just search for the word very and you can safely cut it. So I would say this is a pearl. 
Yeah. Well, except for it says if it's an adverb, find a more precise word. Example, she was a very pretty girl. You can girl. just cut it. You can just say she was a pretty girl. <laughs> yeah, but if you if that's not enough, right? If you want emphasis. Beautiful. My my worry is that people would replace the adverb and leave it like they would change it to she was a stunningly yes, pretty yes, girl. Yes, yes, yes. No, and no, I don't no, no. you don't want don't two want, adjectives. Like, Just give us a better adjective. Well, that's an yeah, adverb an adve- and an yeah. adjective. But get rid of yep. adverbs, especially ones that end with mm-hmm. L-Y. But this tip, I, I'm, I am absolutely sure that people see this and they replace very with an, another adverb, yeah. <laughs> like an L-Y adverb. And it, it would be better to just say she was, she was stunning. stunning. Yep. Right. So that's like actually replacing pretty because if you decide that pretty isn't enough and you're going to go with very pretty, well, then, okay, you could replace the whole phrase probably with something Absolutely. more precise or just something that does, you know, more work there. But yeah, very, I, I write very a lot. I say very, everybody says very yep. all the time. Um, but in your writing, it ain't doing anything. So yep. you just omit it. I agree. Um, so <laughs> right now I'm keeping score and I'm keeping score on the basis of the intent of the tip. <laughs> Otherwise <laughs> okay. these would be pretty bad. So, um, we got five got wins and four losses so far, but that's based right. on our edits. Um, number nine, mark out. I think I feel in my opinion and personally mm. with an X, these phrases should not occur in formal writing. They weaken your position. Yeah. Pearl. Get Gold rid of that. plated. It doesn't yep. get better than that. We don't want mental yep. states. Um, you can just say it if you're going to, you know, or, or don't say it. That's also an option, right? <laughs> like if you, if you think you have to couch it with, in yep. my opinion, then maybe don't say it, especially in your law school yep. personal statement. Because, you know, we're here to learn about you. Um, so you can say facts about you, but giving you, you know, giving your mental states, we're not really here to, we're here to learn about what you've done. We're not really here to learn about yeah. what you think. Okay. Okay. You. Mark out all instances of you with an X. <laughs> it's just saying, it's so weird with the like, the, the hieroglyphics that, that they want you to draw on the page. And really what they're saying is don't put you do not directly address your audience in formal writing. Be extremely careful about replacing you with one. This can sound odd. Um, yeah, you don't need to be going into second person or weirdly going into third person. You should be in first person almost always in your personal yep. statement. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's, that's a winner. That's a winner. So that's seven. Okay. Mark imprecise or inexact words with a check mark. Use your dead words list to identify imprecise or inexact language. I don't know what that is. Find a more meaning, find more meaningful words to replace the dead words in your writing. Um, I don't (laughs) know. Yeah. I don't know how to assess this. (laughs) Tip is it's, so vague. It's oddly it's like, imprecise and inexact. So, yeah, no kidding. Okay, so like, use better words. 
All right. Strikeout said. Remember, said is dead. Use more exact verbs to convey your meaning. I need an meaning. example here. I don't... I need an example too. What the hell are you talking it, about? It, is this person referring to like when oh. people say the, you know, the said contract was... No, I think it's for dialogue. I, I think it's if you're, you're writing like fiction, yelled, for example. Cried, screamed are more descriptive right. than said. Exactly. You can be more exact than okay. said. And I agree. I mean, if I, so um, my niece, when she was like four years younger, she, she used to write this. Uh, she was mm. writing a book. She called it a book. She was writing a book about, uh, it was like kind of like superhero fan fiction-y kind of stuff. And one thing that she did in her dialogue a lot was she always would say, da-da-da, so John said, blah, 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 Mary said. And it was like every single line was blank said, blank said, blank said, blank said. And so I can see that's probably where this tip came from is that it's, um, yeah, you could definitely have more active verbs there instead of said. But none of that should be in your personal hmm. statement. Okay. Place a triangle around there is, there are, it is, it was, etc. These words do not add any meaning to your sentence. They are filler. Rearrange your sentence to eliminate these expletives. Add active verbs. This is a very strange document. Um, seems like there should be context. Like if the... The, if you knew other stuff, then you, you know, cause I mean, referring to this as expletives is just kind of weird. Those are not yeah. expletives. So what, it, what's the tip? Get rid of there is, there are it. Oh wait, but that's no, this is the same tip as the first tip. What was the first tip? Circle to be. Is, are, what it's, all this is, is get rid of forms of the verb to be. Every one of these examples is a form of yeah. the verb to be. So it's the same tip again. It's actually a better tip. In, well, I don't know if it's a better tip, but it is something concrete to look for, right? There is, there are, is something that, uh, these are common phrases that people say, like there are fish in the sea or something. Um, it is true that it is these sentences can often be written, rewritten in, with a, a like a subject and a doing something and a verb, right? But um, there are also cases where this form of writing or there are sentences where you actually do want to say this because it's very easy to digest. So I would, I'm mixed about this advice. Uh, so I'm going to have to give it a turd. Yep. And I'm all, I'm like running out of patience sure. for this yeah. document. But we got three go more to get this. through. So 14, expand all content contractions your paper shouldn't have any it's can't and other contractions so a contraction is where you take two words and put them together obviously and so this author or this professor wants you to write it is cannot and so on i disagree 100 percent. i think formal I formal writing 100%. these days has contractions look at the washington post look at the new york times look at the new yorker um they're fine well, you should write how you speak it should sound like a natural yeah. I mean, voice. there are exceptions, right? We don't, we drop the word very and stuff like that, but this is one in which you don't, it's all, it's almost stodgy to. Oh, very frequently. If you, if you don't put in, if you don't use a contraction, it's going to yeah. sound like shit. So 
read it out loud and listen to how yep. it sounds. Okay. You probably like this tip. Read your paper backward from the last word to the first. Check each word for spelling. Check each punctuation mark and capital letter <laughs> for correctness. I laugh about capital letter because we see people capitalizing shit all the time. For yeah, no actually. Well, so it's um, weird. I've, I've heard this advice before. I have never done it myself, so I can't. I, I would can't never do it endorse either. it. I would rather I would read forward out loud slowly and make sure it sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Last tip: check all of your internal documentation to make sure it's that correct. Means. That's turd. Must be something about citations or something. It's I vague. Have no idea. I hate it. So. <laughs> okay, we hate this document. Uh, sorry, Alyssa. Uh, I mean, the idea that. You know, to the extent that the uh, that the that the main point of it is, um, go through your shit very yeah. carefully. Then that would be great, but it it gives these heavy-handed and vague uh, tips that we cannot endorse. I mean, including some of them that we think are yeah. just wrong. So that's a turd. Thank you for sending in ratiocination. Um, I don't think anybody needs this document. Okay. Let's apply all that, um, to Anthony's personal statement. This is, uh, we have a new process now, Ben, for our personal statements, uh, for my mental health. I no longer get the personal statement submissions. Uh, they now go to Haley. Um, she is young and, uh, more capable of dealing with the, um, horror that is these personal statements that we get. I have asked Haley to send me no more than one per week that she thinks is good. Okay, cool. Yep. Okay. So this was the best of the bunch that we got submitted. Uh, by the way, if you would like to submit, you go to lsat.link slash statement. Again, lsat.link slash statement. And that'll go through the gauntlet and it'll go through Haley and it'll maybe make it onto the show but we are out of the business of reading bad personal statements on the show. It's too depressing. Hey, sorry. I was looking for this uh, article. I helped um, Ross Guberman write a long time ago when I was working for him. It's called Five Ways to Write Like John Roberts. Just okay. Google that. We'll include the link in the show notes as well. But Five Ways to Write Like John Roberts. This is actually... So these five tips, one, I think are all good. And they include specific examples from John Roberts' writing. If you don't know who John Roberts is, you really need to figure that out before you go to law school. And um, uh, this is kind of... People are going to be like, I know who John Roberts is. I hate that guy. Yeah. He's a Republican. <laughs> what do you say about that? Uh, you, you need to start appreciating the intelligence uh, that he has, regardless of what political party he's a part of. I mean, all the Supreme Court justices uh, are people to be reckoned with. <laughs> so They're all fine yeah. writers. You can hate Scalia as much as you want, but Scalia was just such a badass. He was so, it was so fun to read his stuff. Whether you agree with him or disagree with him, it was delightful. I would, yeah. And John Roberts can be a great writer, even if you hate his political team. These tips, by the way, are down to earth, but they are they are also for some of the best writers on the planet. So 
Anyways, check it out. That's all. Okay. All right. This is Anthony's personal statement. Um, hopefully it's going to okay. be good. I am an engineer who opened a new plant for the world's largest heat treatment company. I designed the flow of parts through the facility and generated a quality control system. I ensured that the plant was compliant with auditing bureau requirements. I read equipment manuals and wrote operation instructions, then trained machine operators, lab technicians, and maintenance staff with those instructions. What do you think about that very dry first paragraph? I, I like it. I think it's yeah. fine. I don't love that it starts every damn sentence with the word <laughs> I. We were just talking about, yeah. It's like you have, Anthony has clearly taken our advice to heart, but maybe a little too much. I mean, that's just four for four sentences starting with the same word. And yeah, you, we do need lots of I statements in your, in your personal statement. But when you read that out loud, it's just a little like... Little robotic. It's robotic, but I would say, um, he's talking about himself and shit yeah, that he like actually some did, statements right? are it's so like, far. Here's off an achievement. At least I feel like we're kind of heading in the right direction. It could be polished though. The sentences yep. are short. They're about something that Anthony actually yep. did. He's scoring yeah. points. Like you, you can't not give him credit yeah. for it. Right. Even if you're like, Oh, that's a little dry. Okay. Yeah. But he is telling you about badass yeah. shit that he did which is better than the nonsense that most people put into yeah. their personal statements. Second paragraph, as the plant began production, reading equipment manuals proved beneficial. In one instance, a slow vacuum pumping system was causing timing errors in later processing. After two days of unsuccessful on-site troubleshooting by the manufacturer, I identified the issue. I further demonstrated that the pump the vacuum pump issue was being caused by a previously unknown problem with equipment earlier in the process flow. I resolved the mechanical issue with the vacuum pumping system and reprogrammed the upstream equipment while a permanent, while a permanent solution was fabricated. In another instance, a piece of lab equipment would not start. Replacement lead times were several months, leaving the plant stunted without the equipment. I traced the origin of the defect. Then I rebuilt the computer to keep the equipment functional in the interim. I often returned to the plant after hours to minimize system downtime. How are you feeling? Well, I think this goes back to, okay. One, I think Anthony's statement as it stands right now has so many more facts that we can work with than other statements that we read that this is like probably B plus territory. But I guess I'm feeling the same sort of boringness that you might've felt in the first paragraph. Mm -hmm. And I, I would love a little bit more like maybe context, like, you know, last summer as I <laughs> worked as an engineer, I don't know, something a little more conversational. Maybe he's just taking us too formulaically or something. I'm glad he's taking our advice. He clearly is taking our advice. This this paragraph has a mix of I sentences and yep. other sentences, which is good. Um, I guess the thing that I'm hungry for here is like, why, why law yeah, school? Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, like, I think that's I, maybe what I meant by the context. It's like, 
okay, where's this going? Uh, you're a badass in this context. You're applying to law school. Yeah. Did you realize that? He's, he's yeah. going to get there. Um, I'm going to skip a couple okay. of these paragraphs, honestly, because they're, they're just more of okay. the same. It's like other obstacles. Here's yep. what we did. I designed an experiment. I collaborated with the customer's engineers. I determined the source of the contamination. These are all good things. Like you're yep. scoring points. Um, I'm going to skip down to the last paragraph because it's all, there's just more of the same. Uh, by the way, if we got interrupted at this point, we would go, yeah, I'm not really sure why this dude wants to go to law school, but he sounds like a pretty badass engineer. And if his LSAT and GPA are right, yeah, he's in. Last paragraph, I am presently studying for the patent bar and intend to use my technical background to become a patent attorney. I recently moved to California to attend a law school near a strong intellectual property job market. And then he leaves it there. Weird. You no, don't like the last I, I, sentence, Something right? odd about that. It's like you recently moved to California to attend a law school near a strong intellectual property job market. Okay, well, if you apply to anywhere outside of California, or even if you apply to anywhere inside of California, they kind of think, well, your options are limited here. You just moved here for us. I don't know. It's a weird... That does seem strange. Yeah. Yeah, like that's not a good way to get Santa Clara to give you a scholarship. Mm -hmm. I don't like the word um, presently either. Side track, but... Yeah. Uh, but I do like, well, you don't need presently. That's an L Y yep. adverb. The verb there is studying presently is the adverb modifying studying. And if you would have just said, I am studying for the patent bar, we would have already naturally inferred that you <laughs> meant presently. <laughs> you don't say I am studying in the future. Yep. Um, so yeah, you can cut the presently. I like the idea. So I like that he's dropping the patent bar though in there. I, I like that he's including patent bar. And I think I would have gotten to that sooner because if he would have said patent bar, this would at the have all top, made a lot more sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I agree. That's the <laughs> yeah. context. There we go. Like step back, yeah. kind of figure out where your reader is sitting and say, look, um, I'm studying for the patent bar and intend to use my technical background to become a patent attorney. Over the last two years, I have da-da-da-da-da-da. Exactly. And now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I get yeah. why you're talking about this shit. That's your yep, first sentence, yep, Anthony. There you go. I am studying for the patent bar and intend to use my technical background to become a patent attorney. Then you can tell all these stories, and they'll stop reading this document halfway through because they've already decided yep. to admit you. Ah, And notice, too, this is an I am sentence. Not that we need it, but this second-to-last sentence of yours is an I am sentence. And it's really the I am sentence, I think, if you ever are going to use one, that Nathan was referring to. He just went with the generic, I am an engineer. Yeah, it does provide context, but what kind of context are you going to provide? This is going from a B plus to A minus A. Makes a lot more sense. Excellent. Thank you, Haley, for uh, going through all of the personal statement submissions and giving us this one. I do think that this is a strong statement. Uh, you know, people are going to think this is boring, but lawyers are boring. And this looks to me like a obvious slam dunk, successful yeah. lawyer. <laughs> like 
He knows exactly what he's going to do. He's studying for the patent bar. Law schools are going to be just drooling over this guy. They're going to be like, oh, wow, he has a technical background. He wants to do patent stuff where he's going to be employable. How can we not admit yep. this guy? We have to he's admit a win. this guy. Um, that's a win. You're making yourself look like a winner. Is it boring? Yeah. Who cares? I don't care. <laughs> like they want boring. They want worker bees. You look like you are going to be a very successful Silicon Valley worker bee patent yep. attorney. Uh, and that's a, yeah. Um, we're not supposed to say a through F we're supposed to give it I a number. Yeah, me too. It's like a 165. Right now, I'd say it's 165 with those tweaks. I think you get up to 168, 170. Get it, get it in yeah. the 170s, maybe. Yeah. You've got the goods, Anthony. So you might as well just put it right up at the top. You know, like let them know that you are studying for the patent bar and they'll be like, oh, wow, like this dude isn't going to be starving while he's in our law school. He might actually be able to make some income over the next three years as yeah. a patent agent. And he's going to be extremely employable after school because there's all kinds of jobs for people who have technical. If you can merge technical backgrounds with the law, you're going to actually be able to yeah. get a job. And um, yeah, this is uh, it's a home run. Thank you, yep. Anthony. Okay, uh, you can be LSAT famous. Get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. Uh, if you have questions about the LSAT demon, you can email our best in the world customer service team, help at lsatdemon.com. Check out our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily. That was episode 323 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Yeah.